Chapter Eight of Captain Antifer by Jules Verne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joe Denoya, Somerset, New Jersey. Chapter Eight. When Captain Antifer reached the door of his house, he opened it, entered the dining room, and sitting down at the corner of the fireplace, began to warm his feet without saying a word. Enogate and Jewel were talking near the window, but he took no notice of their presence. Nanan was busy cooking in the kitchen, and he did not worry as usual by asking a dozen times if it would soon be ready. Evidently Antifer was deep in thought, but it would not do to tell his sister and his nephew and niece what had happened at his interview with Ben Omar, the notary of Kamalik Pasha. During the meal he said nothing. He even refrained from any second helpings, and contented himself with prolonging his dessert by mechanically disposing of several dozen periwinkles, which he extracted from their greenish shells by means of a long, copper-headed pin. Several times Jules spoke to him, but he answered not a word. Enogate asked him what was the matter, as he did not seem to hear. "'Brother, what ails you?' asked Anon, and he rose to retire to his room. "'I've got a wisdom tooth coming through,' he replied and each of them thought it would not be too late if it could make him wise in his old age. Then, without lighting his pipe, which he was so fond of smoking night and morning on the rampart, he went upstairs without saying good night to anybody. Uncle is troubling about something, remarked Enogate. Has he had any news? said Anon, as she cleared the table. Perhaps we had better send for Tregomain, replied Jewel. The truth is that Captain Antifer was more uneasy and anxious than he had ever been since he had been expecting the indispensable messenger. Had he not failed in presence of mind, in acuteness during his interview with Ben Omar? Had he done right in being so categorical and reserved to this fellow, instead of winning him over, of discussing the main points of the business, of trying to bargain with him? Had he done wisely in calling him a rascal, a crocodile, and so on? Would it not have been better, without showing so much caution as to his own interests, to have temporized, to have appeared disposed to hand over the letter, to have pretended to have been ignorant of its importance instead of asking fifty million francs for it? Of course, it was worth it. There was no doubt about that. But it would have been wise to have acted more circumspectly. And if the notary declined to submit to a similar reception? If he strapped up his portmanteau, left St. Malo, and returned to Alexandria, how would the problem be solved? Would Captain Antifer have to go to Egypt after his longitude? And so when he went to bed, he administered to himself quite a shower of hard knocks. He did not close his eyes during the night. The next morning he had firmly resolved to go in search of Ben Omar, to apologize for his rudeness, to enter into an arrangement at the expense of a few slight concessions. But as he was reflecting on all this, and dressing himself, about eight o'clock, the bargeman gently pushed open the door of his room. The nun had sent for him, and he had come the excellent man, to offer himself to his neighbor's blows. "'What brings you here?' "'The flood, friend,' said Tregomain, hoping that this maritime locution would provoke a smile. "'The flood,' replied Antifer sternly. "'Well, the ebb is just taking me out. "'You're getting ready to go out?' "'Yes, with or without your permission. "'Where are you going? "'Where it suits me to go?' "'Nowhere else, of course.' but you do not wish me to know what you're going to do? I am going to repair a mistake. And to make it worse, perhaps? This reply, although given as a general observation, made Antifer uneasy. And so he decided to let his friend know what had happened. Continuing his dressing, he told of his meeting with Ben Omar, of the notary's attempts to gain possession of the latitude, and his offer to sell the letter for fifty millions of francs. He should have made you an offer, observed Tregomain. 
he had no time, for I turned my back on him, in which I was wrong. That is my opinion. And so this notary came expressly to St. Malo to try to get this letter from you? Instead of giving me the communication he ought to have done, this Ben Omar is the messenger spoken of by Kamalik Pasha, and expected for the last twenty years. Ah, then, this matter is serious after all, Tregamine cannot help saying. The remark brought him such a terrible look and such a contemptuous epithet from Antifer that he lowered his eyes and twiddled his thumbs after crossing his hands over the vast rotundity of his corporation. A moment afterwards, Antifer had finished dressing and was picking up his hat when the door opened. Nanan appeared. What is the matter now? asked her brother. There is a stranger downstairs. He wants to speak to you. His name? Here it is. And she produced a card on which were these words. Ben Omar, Notary, Alexandria. The man! exclaimed Antifer. Who? asked Tregamine. The Omar in question. Ah, I like that. That he has come back is a good sign. Show him up, Nanan. But he is not alone. Not alone, exclaimed Antifer. And who, then, is with him? A younger man whom I do not know, and who looks like a foreigner. Ah, there are two of them. Well, we shall be two to receive them. Stop here, Tregamine. Do you wish it? An imperious gesture kept the worthy neighbor in his place. Another gesture indicated to Nanan that she was to show the visitors upstairs. A minute afterwards they had been ushered into the room, the door of which was carefully shut. If the secrets that were to be revealed were to escape, it would have to be through the keyhole. Ah, it is you, Mr. Ben Omar, said Antifer in a careless and haughty tone, very different to what he would have adopted had he gone to make the first advances at the hotel. Myself, Mr. Antifer. And the person who accompanies you? My head clerk. Antifer and Saouk, who was introduced under the name of Nazim, exchanged a look of indifference. Your clerk is acquainted with this business? asked Antifer. He is, and his assistance is indispensable to me throughout this matter. Be it so, Mr. Ben Omar. May I ask to what I owe the honor of your visit? Another interview I wish to have with you, Mr. Antifer. With you alone, he added, casting a side look at Tregomain, whose thumbs continued the twiddling. Gildas Tregomain, my friend, replied Antifer, late captain of the barge, Charmante Amélie, who is also acquainted with this business, and whose assistance is no less indispensable than that of your clerk, Nazim. It was impossible for Ben Omar to object. Immediately the four sat down round a table on which the notary placed his portfolio. Then a certain silence reigned in the room until it pleased one or the other to speak. Antifer broke the silence by addressing Ben Omar. Your clerk speaks French, I suppose? No, replied the notary. But he understands it? Not much. This had been agreed between Saouk and Ben Omar, in the hope that Antifer, having no fear of being understood by the false Nazim, Light but fall a few words of which advantage might be taken. And now proceed, Mr. Ben Omar, said Antifer carelessly. Your intention is to resume the conversation that ended abruptly yesterday. Certainly. Then you have brought me the fifty millions? Let us be serious, sir. Yes, let us be serious, Mr. Ben Omar. My friend Tregamain is not one of those who will consent to lose time in useless pleasantries. That is so, Tregamain. Never had the bargeman a more serious countenance, a more composed demeanor, and when he enveloped his nasal appendage in the folds of his flag, we mean handkerchief, never had he produced more magisterial trumpetings. Mr. Ben Omar, I'm afraid there has been some misunderstanding between us. 
It is better it should end, where no good will come of it. You know who I am, and I know who you are. A notary. A notary, who is also the messenger of the deceased Kamalik Pasha, whom my family have been expecting for the last twenty years. You will excuse me, Mr. Enfer, but in admitting that that is so, I may say that I was not allowed to come sooner. And why? Because it is only a fortnight ago that by the opening of the will I ascertained under what conditions your father had received this letter. Ah, the letter with the double K. We return to that, Mr. Ben Omar. Yes, my only idea in coming to St. Malo was to put myself in communication with you. That is the only object of your journey? The only one. During this exchange of question and answer, Sehuk remained impassable, and did not seem to understand a word that was said. He played his game so naturally that Tregomaine, who was quietly watching him, saw nothing suspicious in his behavior. Then, Mr. Ben Omar, said Antifer, I have for you the most profound respect, and as you know, I would not say an unkind word to you. Really, this was sublime. What about rascal, mummy, crocodile, etc., etc.? But, he continued, I cannot help observing that you just lied. Sir! Yes, lied like a steward's mate when you asserted that your journey had no other object than to know what was in my letter. I swear, said the notary, lifting his hand. Keep your hand down, old Omar, said Antifer, waking up in spite of some good resolutions. I know perfectly well why you have come. Believe me, and on whose behalf you have come. Nobody, I assure you. So, on behalf of the deceased Kamalik Pasha, he died ten years ago. Never mind, it is an execution of his last wishes that you are here today with Pierre Servan Malo, son of Thomas Antifer, and your orders are not to demand a letter in question, but to give him certain figures. Certain figures? Yes. The figures of a longitude he requires for the completion of a latitude Kamalik Pasha gave twenty years ago to his good father. Well hit, said Tregomaine, tranquilly shaking his handkerchief as if it were signaling to the semaphores of the coast. But the so-called clerk remained impassable, although he knew the Antifer quite understood the position. And you, Mr. Ben Omar, have changed your errand, and have been trying to steal my latitude. Steal? Yes, steal and probably to make use of it in a way that only I ought to do. Mr. Antifer, replied Omar, much disconcerted. Believe me, as soon as you give me this letter, I will give you the figures. Then you admit that you have them. The notary was fairly caught. Practiced as he was at evasion, he saw that his adversary had him at his mercy, and the best thing for him to do was to submit, as had been agreed the night before between him and Saouk. And now Antifer said, Come. Play fairly, Mr. Ben Omar. You have been long enough on that tack. Try another. I will, he replied. He opened his portfolio and drew from it a sheet of parchment streaked with lines of large handwriting. This was Kamalik Pasha's will, and he handed it to Antifer, who, as it was written in French, readily understood it. He read it through in a loud voice so that Tregomaine did not lose a word of what the will contained, and then drew his notebook from his pocket so as to inscribe therein the figures indicating the longitude of the islet those four figures for each of which he would have given one of the fingers of his right hand, and Tregomaine also brought out a notebook and wrote down the figures. Fifty-four degrees, fifty-seven minutes, east. The will was then returned to the notary, who put in his portfolio, which was passed under the arm of Nazim, who remained seemingly indifferent to all that was going on, although the interview had now reached a point of considerable interest for him and Ben Omar. 
Antifer, knowing both the meridian and the parallel of the islands, had only to cross these two lines to find the position. And this he was very naturally somewhat eager to do. But as he rose, there could be no mistake as to the meaning of the bow he made his visitors, and the gesture which he indicated the stairs. Evidently, Saouk and Ben Omar were invited to depart. The bargemen quietly watched the proceedings with considerable amusement. Nevertheless, neither the notary or Nazim seemed disposed to rise. It was clear that their host would put them out, but either they did not understand or did not wish to understand. Ben Omar, who was much embarrassed, felt that Saouk was, by a look, giving his express order to ask a final question. He obeyed, and said, Now that I have fulfilled the mission entrusted to me by the will of Kamalik Pasha, we have only to take leave of each other politely, said Antifer, and the first train being at 10.37. 10.23 since yesterday, corrected Jeremy. Yes, 10.23, and I would not, my dear Mr. Ben Omar, make you or your clerk Nazim miss the express. Saouk's feet began to beat a double shuffle on the floor and as he looked at his watch, it seemed as though he was anxious to be off. "'If you have any luggage to register,' continued Antifer, "'there's barely time.' "'All the more so,' added the bargeman, "'as there is no end of it at this station.' Ben Omar saw that he must say something further, and, half rising, he remarked, lowering his eyes, "'Pardon me, but it seems to me that we have not said all we have to say.' "'Quite the contrary, Mr. Ben Omar. As far as I'm concerned, I have nothing more to ask you.' But I have a question to ask, Mr. Antifer. I am surprised, Mr. Ben Omar, but if you think so, what is it? I have given you the figures of the longitude indicated in the will of Kamalik Pasha. You have. My friend Tregermain and I have entered them in our notebooks. And now you have to give me those of the latitude indicated in the letter. The letter addressed to my father? The same. Pardon, Mr. Ben Omar, replied Antifer, frowning. Did you not have orders to bring me the longitude in question? Yes, and those orders I have fulfilled. With as much kindness as zeal, I admit. But as far as I'm concerned, I have nowhere seen either in the will or in the letter that I should reveal to you the figures of the latitude sent to my father. However, if you have any orders concerning this, we might perhaps discuss them. It seems to me, replied the notary, that between gentlemen who esteem each other... It seems wrong, then, Mr. Ben Omar... Esteem has nothing to do with it, however much we may have for each other. Evidently, the irritation which was taking place of impatience with Captain Antifer would not be long in showing itself. And so, in his anxiety to avoid an explosion, Tregamine went to open the door so as to facilitate the departure of the visitors. Saouk never budged. It was, however, not his business as clerk and a foreigner, ignorant of the language, to move before his master gave him the order. Ben Omar quitted his chair, rubbed his head, adjusted his spectacles on his nose, and, in the tone of a man who does his best with what he cannot prevent, remarked, Excuse me, Mr. Antifer, you have made up your mind not to trust me. The more so, Mr. Ben Omar, because Kamalik Pasha's letter required my father to keep it a profound secret, and that the secret my father also required me to keep. Well, Mr. Antifer, said Ben Omar, will you accept good advice? What is it? Take no further steps in this matter. And why? because you may meet on the way a certain person who will make you repent it. And who is that? Saouk, the son of Kamlik Pasha's cousin, disinherited to your advantage, and who is not at all the man. Do you know his son, Mr. Ben Omar? No, replied the notary, but I know that he is a formidable adversary. 
Well, if you ever meet this Saluk, tell him I don't care a snap for him, nor for all the serukery of Egypt. Nazim did not move a muscle. And then Antifer went out on the landing. Nadan, he shouted. The notary moved toward the door, and this time Saluk, clumsily upsetting his chair, followed him, not without a furious desire to kick him downstairs. But as he was at the door, Ben Omar suddenly stopped, and said to Antifer, You have not forgotten one of the clauses in Kamalik Pasha's will? Which is that, Mr. Ben Omar? That which compels me to accompany you until you have taken possession of your legacy, of being present when the three casks are exhumed. Well, you shall accompany me, Mr. Ben Omar. Then I must know where you are going. You will know when we are there. But if it is at the other end of the world? It will be at the other end of the world. But remember that I cannot do without my head clerk. That is as you please, and I shall be no less honored by his presence than yours. Leaning over the balusters, he shouted in a voice that showed he considered the interview at an end. Nanan! Nanan appeared. Show these gentlemen a light. Good, said Nanan. It is broad daylight. Show them a light all the same. And thus it was that Saug and Ben Omar were shown out of this inhospitable house, the door of which was slammed behind them. Then Captain Antifer was seized with such an attack of delirious delight as had seldom come to him before. But if he was not joyful of that occasion, when should he have been? He had it, this famous longitude so impatiently expected. He had the power to change into reality what had hitherto been but a dream. The possession of this immense fortune depended only on the haste with which he went in search of the islet where it awaited him. Four millions! Four millions, he repeated. That is to say a thousand times a hundred thousand francs, added the bargeman. And then Antifer hopped on one leg, then on the other, then stooped and rose, swinging his hips and spun round like a gyroscope, and finally completed his performance with a furious hornpipe. Then he seized Tregomaine, and setting that massive form in motion, he worked up the dance to such impetuosity that the house shook to its foundations as he broke out in a voice that made the windows rattle. I have my long, long, I have my jitude, my lawn, my jit, my tood, I have my longitude. End of chapter 8